What is up, everyone? Back here for another episode of the Big Man Bias. I'm Ashton G. Lewis, your humble host. Chaser for the Houston Cosmos. Joining me today, we got a special guest. A guy that I've looked up to for quite some time in the world of Quidditch. And a lot of you guys know him because, well, he's a he's a part of, you know, the best Quidditch team on the face of the planet, Team USA, Team USA Quidditch. It's Quincy Hildreth, Chaser slash Keeper. Quincy, do you only you only play chaser? Or do you play keeper as well? Uh, so I mostly play keeper, uh, chaser, and first year of the team I was beater. So a little bit of everything. There you go. Everybody at some point in their career has to play uh, all the positions. It's just like a rite of passage if you play Quidditch long enough. It's usually a sign that you play Quidditch too long, but uh, we'll <laughs> see. Anyway, we have here with us member of ATL Terminus, founder, GM, head coach, water boy, towel guy. Um, morale supervisor Quincy Hildreth ladies and gentlemen and Quincy I have so many questions for you because you have one of the more interesting and many would say after this podcast I would dare say some people would say you have the most interesting story when it comes to Quidditch man but we'll start off here Quincy very basic stuff about you Uh, how long have you played Quidditch? Uh, I've been playing I started my first official season in 2015, so I'm going on five years. Okay, cool. So, like, we've actually, I mean, relatively around the same time, I think. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm still, I'm kind of a baby considered to most of the other uh, older players who play. So, yeah, no doubt, right? There's like, the, by the way, I think we're both in this weird gap. Like, I used to go to um, last year when it was safe. I would go to Sam Houston State University practices during the week because I would spend <laughs> so much time coaching um, right. during Cosmos practice and and trying to make sure everybody's on point and like working on strategy and stuff like that. And of course, I would get in the mix too there. But I when I go to Sam Houston, I'm just a player. Like I don't have any power. I don't have anything to say. Uh, it's just really weird talking to you know like they're like junior sophomores and freshmen and, and right. the seniors and like they don't know me like the the upperclassmen know me because we played on legends together and then yeah. the younger kids are like oh man he's like a vet right and i'm like <laughs> i don't i please don't use that terminology when right? referring to i i'm not a vet i'm not wily i'm not a vet or anything like that but yeah it's you look at it in comparison to them you've been playing like five times longer than they have so of course you have like a ton of experience and everything but it was uh it was a good experience because the the young kids have like they're learning like basic stuff so it gets you good on the fundamentals and they're still having fun like some people yeah i would dare say some people in quidditch are not having fun anymore which is the strangest thing to me but um we can get to that conversation some other time quincy you've been playing for five years man you are from a place called el dorado arkansas yes um small town population is probably around i think it's actually drops on it's probably around eighteen thousand. 18,000. Some college is bigger than uh, where your hometown yes. is. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. I will start off here. Just wanted to give people a glimpse. Like you're from Arkansas. You live in Atlanta right now. That's a journey. And we're going to yes. try and we're going to try and cover all the steps between El Dorado, <laughs> Arkansas to Atlanta, Georgia of all places, man. So I'll start off with this, man. Uh, how was quarantine? Uh, it's pretty chill. Uh, I guess you consider Atlanta the South, so it closed, but it didn't close. Uh, pretty much right now, everything is back open for the most part. Yep. Um, 
that is a conversation for another time as well. But uh, yeah, so uh, Atlanta, Georgia and everything like that, man. But uh, did you, so when you were in like the hard quarantine when like everything was shut down and everything like that, um, did you pick up any new hobbies, any new habits? Did you learn anything about yourself or anything like that? Um, I started skating for a bit, uh, like at skate parks. I do that. I don't really talk about that too much too often, but yes, I own a pair of skates, so I go to the skate park and skate. Um, that's one of the that's one of the things that popped off during quarantine, man. Like uh, the yeah. whole rollerblading and and then uh, ro- uh, rollerblading and inline skating are back apparently. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but I hurt. Uh, hurt. I thought I hurt myself. Thought I fractured my wrist, and I said I can't. I'm getting too old. Got to stay healthy for quitting, so uh, can't be out here doing crazy stuff. No doubt about that. You leave one alternative sport to make sure that you can continue <laughs> to play your other alternative sport. I like it. Uh, a man with a plan there. So, um, like you said, you picked up skating, all that good jazz like that, man. I, I start off going back to your hometown. I'll ask you this, man. Obviously, you're a member of Team USA Quidditch. You're gold medal winner. Are you the most famous athlete from your hometown? Um, no, we've had a few players that went uh, professional in sports. So, of course, Quidditch doesn't really hold to the standard of NBA or NFL. But I was I did get an article put into the newspaper back in my hometown for the Team USA stuff. So uh, I was already kind of known for football anyway, for playing sports. So people already kind of knew of me. So, yeah. No, I was just, I was just wondering, man. I'm pretty sure that must have been a shock to a lot of people. They're like, "Yo, is that the kid who used to play football and now <laughs> right? rugby on a stick?" Uh, yes. <laughs> wild what happens when you leave home. Uh, but yeah, man. For, by the way, I asked that as a trap question. I definitely looked up the famous notable people from your hometown. Um, I saw there's an astronaut from your hometown as well. That was I know <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, as a as a guy from Houston, and you know NASA is like just down the street. Uh, astronauts, right. you come across them more often than you would think in Houston, which is strange for a lot of people to believe in a city of millions. But yeah, so we go top ten, top ten most famous athlete from uh, El Dorado, Arkansas. All right. We're going to leave it at that. All right. We're going to, that's what I'm going to sell yeah. this podcast on. That's right. He's like top 10 <laughs> athlete of in his hometown. But yeah, we move on on this one, man. You have any siblings? Um, Only child. Me too. Okay, then. Yeah, same <laughs> here. So that sparks another question here in terms of sports, man. Give me kind of like the rundown of your sports background. Tell me about the first sports you played, how you ended up playing it, and uh, and just the whole spiel, like your whole sports resume as if you're applying for a job. So, um, first sport I started playing was basketball. I don't remember how old I was. My mother was a coach at the boys and girls club. So of course she's going to throw her child in on the team that she coaches. Ah, you were a coach's son. (laughs) Yes. Um, so play pretty much has been basketball and football, football all my life. Uh, went to a smaller school, so we didn't have track. All we had was football, basketball, and baseball. Didn't have the time to play baseball, so it was basketball, football, all through our high school. And question, man, you're from Arkansas on this one. What what is what is that like being a black guy in Arkansas? Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of sad to say you you do get used to racism. Um. Throughout high school, junior high, we did have a few teams that we go play that are predominantly all white. So racial slurs would get thrown out in the middle of games and things and such. But I mean, it's 
you kind of understand it's part of being in that area or just in Arkansas in general. So you, you get used to it. You get used to it. Yeah, what a terrible thing to say about hate. Um, <laughs> yeah, what a terrible thing that you have to say about hate because at the yeah. end of the day, it's like either you get used to it or you lose your goddamn mind. Uh, can right. relate to that. Can relate. A lot of pretty much every black person can relate to that. And I think that was quite a shock to, uh, I'm sure you had plenty of white friends reach out to you after the whole George Floyd thing. Um, that must have mm. been quite a shock to everybody else to learn that black people are quite accustomed to hatred. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, man, we, we start off here. You talk about basketball being your first sport. When you got to high school, what was the deal? Did you play? Were you a three-sport guy or what? Uh, just to focus basketball, football. Gotcha. So the conditioning was on point, man. Uh, I, I get you on that one. So basketball-wise, what position was it? What's the deal? Uh, shooting guard and point guard. Okay, okay. So you have. So you, do you still have the handles from high school? I do. I played a lot, especially in college at the rec center. I used to be in there, man, hours, hours on days, hooping, hoop sessions all day. So, yeah, it's, it's still there a little bit, a little bit. Okay, so and you get into some point, like you said, before you get to high school, you start playing football. What's your uh, what's the position breakdown on football? Where did you start off and how? where did you end up? Man, football. Uh, man, I'm small assuming school. you went to a small school, so you played both yeah. ways. Both ways. Oh, yeah, a little everything. Uh, predominantly receiver, quarterback, then uh, DB. So, like, play some outside linebacker, safety, cornerback, punt return, kick return. A little bit of, yeah, skill so positions, I guess you could jo- You had six jobs and you don't get tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. By the way, what was it like? Like, you spent all your time. I know at a certain point your body just gets used to it, especially when you're that young. Uh, how tired would you be after going two ways on a high school on a in a high school football game uh you know you get i think you get used to it i mean it, it depends on the team for sure the harder teams yeah you get tired but uh as i think about it back in those days you get used to it i mean i look back to even two a days back in like 90 100 degree heat don't know how i did it but right yeah no i feel <laughs> I you through <laughs> No, so yeah, you go into you play two ways in in uh, play two ways in football. Play shooting guard, point guard, and basketball. You get any looks from colleges? Yeah, so we we will jump into the the mess of of my life. So not so much for basketball, but for football. So this is when it get interesting. Um, okay. So as you know, I did. I, w- I went to Oklahoma State. Right. Uh, as far as coming out of high school, I had letters from Dartmouth. Princeton, Rice, and I was oh, in talks. You're, you're one of those kids. I used to cover. <laughs> I used to cover high school sports uh, for like five years, so I know exactly what kind of kid you're talking about. Um, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. No, I, yeah, I get you. They get like the same vein of recruits where they're like, "This guy's really athletic and also like really smart." So like maybe yes. we can get like some kind of exemption, or maybe we can just get him in just like flat out because uh, uh, I. I want to say that Ivy League yeah. stopped doing exemptions. Rice, I don't think does any exemptions whatsoever. You don't know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Um, high school athletes, when they're being recruited, uh, as some of you may or may not know, uh, knowing other high-level athletes, some athletes are very, very talented. That does not necessarily mean that they're 
uh, conventionally intelligent, quote unquote, conventionally academically intelligent, right? So sometimes there are exemptions made based off of their performance and based off of uh, the school wanting to recruit those guys and coaches will like go to bat for them with the admissions board and everything like that, which I'm assuming Quincy didn't have mainly because of the schools they were trying to holler. So that uh, that's just, sorry, that's what I'm talking about in reference to exemptions. Go ahead, Quincy, my bad. Yeah, uh, so yeah, no, uh, I was in talks with, uh, a few coaches from Tulsa, uh, but me being the arrogant, smart one that I wanted to be, I chose to go to Oklahoma State and try to walk on. Not even a preferred walk on. Oh, Tried to go man. and didn't make it and didn't make it. So, so what? So what was the tryout like at Oklahoma State, man? What did they have you running? Like, what was the deal? Uh, NFL Combine. It was bench. Right. Uh, so yeah, bench, vertical, and the forty. So the thing about high school was. I knew I was a good player, so I didn't take lifting weights serious. So gotcha. that kind of <laughs> – I got there to the actual D1 school and was like, oh, these guys are pretty big. They're putting, <laughs> so. they putting up this weight, man. They eat a lot, they eat a lot for a reason. Nah, I, yeah. I get you on that one. Was Mike Gundy the coach back then? Yes, Mike Gundy was the coach. Yes. Mm, interesting. Um, especially considering what Mike Gundy – has done recently there's yes. other <laughs> moments there's other moments where Mike Gundy has just kind of been like huh but anyway yeah, yeah well, uh were you at school when that happened when the whole I'm a man thing happened no I was no I was I was already gone by then okay yeah anyway if you're if you're listening to this podcast type in Mike Gundy I'm a man uh and it's the coach <laughs> of Oklahoma State going on a rant about how the media goes at his kids a little too much and he doesn't like that and he's like come at me I'm 40. I'm a man. Look at it. It's pretty funny. Uh, also, look at what Mike Gundy's done recently. Maybe you'll uh, get a glimpse of the kind of person that was in charge of that team. Anyway, uh, but yeah, you get to Oklahoma State, man. I'm sorry. No, we're talking about recruitment in high school. So you decide you want to walk on. Um, go to Oklahoma State. Don't make the team. What was the next step? Um, To try to do it again next semester. So I decided to get serious with the weights i started working out started hitting the weights hard made a stupid uh stupid decision i started taking creatine ah, not yes. paying attention to what i was doing messed my kidney up or almost messed my kidney up uh doctor told me that i shouldn't play contact sports ever um <laughs> so wow, man That's of course then yeah of course being an athlete i'm like doctor don't know what he's talking about so i just keep working out keep going and so when I tried out again, my body had a bunch of water weight for my kidney. Mm-hmm. So again, it didn't work out, didn't make it the second time. So that was pretty much Oklahoma State. I was there for two years and then transferred over to uh, Arkansas State. That's wild, man. Almost messed up the kidney trying to get prepared for that. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> kids, I mean, talk about dedication without a doubt on that one. Uh, shout out to you for that, man. But yeah, uh Moving on, you go to Arkansas State, the transfer happens. Um, what you walk on campus and you kind of gave me a glimpse of what happened as to how you ended up playing Quidditch. But uh, mm-hmm. tell me why the choice to go to Arkansas State and what happened when you got on campus, man. Um, choice for Arkansas State, it was definitely cheaper. Uh, in state tuition, of course, that was the main main factor to that. Uh, I also changed my major. I started off as mechanical engineer and then switched to graphic design. So it wasn't really a need to be at Oklahoma State anymore. Right. And big difference uh, going from about 70,000 student population to about 
20,000 student population. Huge difference. Huge no difference. doubt about that. Yeah. Class must have been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so graphic design, man, from mechanical engineering. Talk about a sidestep, like almost polar opposite. What what made you want? First of all, what made you sign up for mechanical engineering? And then what made you change to graphic design? For engineering, um, the actually the first Fast and the Furious movie that was that's what sparked it. Uh, at a you point where there explain, was, you gotta explain that <laughs> yes. one to me, man. <laughs> so it was a point. Uh, if I'm trying to remember correctly, they were designing the Supra. I believe they were designing the Supra on a computer, and I was like, yes. "Oh, that's cool. I would love to design cars." So that's what led me to doing engineering, and I figured that can be a route to get to that point of designing cars, making them, and whatnot. Um. But as everyone knows, engineering is a tough field. It's a bunch of math, science, physics, all of that. It was a struggle. Um, I had a philosophy teacher change my mind on my major. We had an art project to do for a poster board. I drew on it, and she said, you need to go to art. And I, from that day, I was like, okay, and just went up and switched my majors and been a designer since then. Shout out to that teacher. Also, we have confirmed something positive has come out of the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> Can confirm. Look at that. Making history here on the Big Man Bias. Find the one positive thing from the Fast and the Furious franchise. And for those of you who are like, oh man, I really love Fast and Furious, as do I. I really do enjoy it. I think Tokyo Drift is like top three yes. in the entire franchise there. And it, it features none of the main characters, which should tell you a lot. But anyway, um, Oh, I almost forgot to ask you. We're about to get to the point about like where I asked the key question here. Why we're all here. The reason that we're having this conversation, man. I got to ask you, what's your connection to Harry Potter? And uh, have you read the books? Oh, man, I'm about to be the first on your podcast. So I've only watched the movies. I read half of Order of the Phoenix. Oh, man, that's a bad that's a bad one to start off with. I'm not going to lie. Oh, uh, oh, I know. So I'm a. <laughs> I'm a fan of Harry Potter, but not to the point to where I read all the books. Okay, cool, cool. So I was going to ask you what your favorite book was, but instead I'll opt for what was your favorite Harry Potter film when you watched it? It's the there last was only one. There was only one answer, and it is not that one. I know it's not that one, but I enjoyed the last one. The, it was the, the scene at the end, the epic fight, all that. I, I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. But cool. I know it's not the right answer. No, it's not the right one. Okay, I'm just making sure. Every if you, if you listen to this podcast, you know what the right answer is, and I think Quincy knows what the right answer is. Um, actually, what's up? It's the goblet. I know. I, yes. I know what the right answer yes, is. Yes, goblet of fire is the right answer for everybody watching and sitting or listening at home. The right answer is and always will be book and movie goblet of fire. Uh, and oh, so you've heard my spiel about the Cedric Diggory thing, right? Yes, I agree. Okay, I'm just. Me- I'm not crazy. I'm not wild oh, no, on you're... this one. I know. See, anyway, for the fifth episode <laughs> in a row, I will mention my pitch to you, the listener of the Big Man Buys, as to why Cedric Diggory in the book and in the well, in the book we don't know like what is what he looked like, but right. in the movie should have been a black guy. Um, first right. of all, first name Cedric. Yep. Second off. Supremo athlete, which of course leans into some prejudice and some racism and some stereotypes about black people, but nonetheless, very talented <laughs> Quidditch player. And then on top of that, popular kid, good with the ladies. Everybody, yeah. everybody was down for Cedric Diggory. And then on top of that, you look at it in the movie, he's the first person to die. All the signs are there. 
all the signs that Cedric Diggory was a black man. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving on. This is a conversation for another day as well. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Quincy, you're at Arkansas State. You've changed <laughs> your major to graphic design, following your true passion. What is... I'm sorry. How did they trick you into playing Quidditch? Uh, they didn't trick me. Uh, I saw Quidditch as a way to stay in shape. Um, I was like, oh, it's a lot of running. It looked fun and it was different. I'm always down to try new and different activities. So I looked at it and the broom, the broom part was a little weird, but I was like, you know what? It's fun. It's different. Let's get out there. Let's play and see what happens. So that first practice, man, did you have any idea what was going on? No clue. Cool. Same here. Five years later, still the same place. Have no idea what's going on. Um, Five years later, still in the same place. Promise you. I See, the problem is I learned what was going on, and then I realized I didn't know what was going on. It's like the person who gets to that level of intelligence to know that they don't know everything, thus hence you know nothing, right? That kind of thing. Uh, So, yeah, confused first day of Quidditch. What was uh what was can you give me like one person that uh, maybe the listeners do or don't know but like one person in Quidditch or like a couple people if it's, that's the case but like the people that made you stick with the sport um so I never knew Quidditch was a real sport even when I was playing out there with them because they didn't take it serious gotcha. they didn't travel and play so I was just kind of just out there having fun um I think we ended up playing Arkansas. And some of the players saw me and they saw the opportunity. They said, hey, we're going to – and it was Tribe. It was player from Tribe. And they saw me and they said, uh, who do you play for? And I was like, uh, just messing around for Arkansas State. Uh, yeah, you're going to come play for us. So, yeah, they ended up recruiting me. And they talked about, oh, we have these fantasy tournaments. And I'm like, what's a fantasy tournament? And I ended up going to Midwest Fantasy. And when I got there, I said, oh, it's athletes that play this sport. Okay, so <laughs> let's oh, go. Man. No, just like the pure joy of the game. So, by the way, how long into the season was it when you guys played Arkansas? Was it like close to like a year you had been playing and had not played? Like, didn't know that athletes played Quidditch? Um, no, it was early that early in like January or February 2015. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. That's uh, that's wild, man. But like, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, uh, that's that's nice. That's got that's good. You guys are having a lot of fun. Uh, would you also <laughs> like? Would you guys? Would you like to have more fun with more people who play Quidditch? Perhaps. Right. Uh, I don't know if you noticed or not. They give out trophies for this thing. So yeah, that was fun. How was your experience at Midwest Fantasy, man? That's a lot of that's a lot of personalities and people in one location from a wide range of teams. Yes, it was it was great. Um... Man, so <laughs> that's that. I guess that's where the legacy starts. So I know I don't know anybody, don't know anyone, except for the people who I came with. So happened to be, of course, nobody knows me. I'm a late pickup in the draft, and uh, I end up joining on Augie's team, Team Brownies. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, did, so did you know? Did you know at the time? No, had no clue who he was. Didn't know anything. <laughs> was just another person to me. Another person. Oh man, I love it. Also, Augie Monroe is um, one of my goals to have on this podcast because he, with the interesting situation that's been going on with law enforcement, Augie has family members who are, he has like a long legacy of law enforcement in his family and he has some opposing views to what a lot of people see when it comes to cops. So I'd love to talk to him about it and um, and get his glimpse because he doesn't, anyway, I'll let him explain it. I'll, hopefully he'll be the next <laughs> episode. He, like I said, he's from a small town in Texas. He 
like you, play for a small town uh, football team. And if you let him tell it, his brother was like the better athlete than him. And that's what drove him to become a really good athlete. All that good uh-huh. jazz like that. But yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting guy, no- nonetheless. Um, but yeah, so you played with Augie for the first time in uh, in your first like big time, like Quidditch, Quidditch matchup and everything like that. Did you guys win? Um. No. So actually the second day got canceled due to the weather. Gotcha. So we won all games first day. We probably would have went on to go to the finals, but uh yeah, that was pretty much it there. That was that was it. Okay. So after that you get to you go to Midwest Fantasy, you end up playing you end up playing, you get a glimpse of like the bigger the bigger scape of the world of Quidditch, man. What was it like when you go back to Arkansas State? Do you keep practicing with them and, and having a good time and everything like that? Or do you kind of like key in on trying to get better and get ready for games against other teams? Um, No, I go back and man, from that one tournament, I have more knowledge than anybody on the team. So I'm trying to help them grow, but also recruit other athletes at the university and be like, hey, this is a real sport. <laughs> Let's right, get right. out here. And go dominate. So yeah, try to grow. Definitely try to grow. Yeah. So so how, so any of the recruitment tactics that you've used in your years that actually worked to get people to come out? Any tips for the guys? I know there's a lot of college kids who are in a rough spot right now, trying to recruit for a team uh, for a season that may or may not happen. You got any tips for anybody like either this season or like next season coming up? Because the world is not normal right now. Um, man, it's pretty tough now, but typically I sell it. I just sell it. I said, this is a sport that you play. You go travel to other cities. You get to play all day. Then you can go party, do whatever, meet a bunch of awesome people. And I mean, it's, it's nothing else like it. I mean, to be able to travel, you're not paying full price for things. You're splitting gas. This is that you go into places like New Orleans or Austin, all these cities, and you have a reason to go. So Man, I just sell it. You can get international fame, so <laughs> international fame. That's what I'm talking about, man. At the time, like uh, you could have, well, maybe a couple years down the line, you could have flashed that uh, that world championship medal. But <laughs> by the way, I'm assuming that's a part of the sell now. He's just like, yeah, man. You know, I kind of got this like casual, like really shiny gold medal one time. Um, but yeah. yeah. Moving on, you talk about Arkansas State, playing with Arkansas, everything that goes into that, going to Midwest Fantasy and everything associated with it. Uh, it has been it, it's been a journey, and it's just getting started for you. You play at Arkansas State, man. What or play play at the next phase with Arkansas? What is your best college Quidditch memory? Man, my best memory is not even from playing college because I never got the chance to play college. It's pretty much was straight to club. Um uh, you have to get you have to get Augie on here now. Cause I will say when it started for me was I did Midwest and I went to Southwest Fantasy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, fan- the fantasy <laughs> yeah, tournament, the baby. Fantasy, yes. R.I.P. R.I.P. to the fantasy tournament. Yeah, and I think my 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 claim to my legacy started there. We were the second round in the tournament. And again, still don't know anybody, don't look up anything in Quidditch. And we're playing Augie's team. Again, I don't know anything about him. <laughs> Even though he just came off winning a championship. And we're in the middle of a match. And there's a point where he's like coming down the field. And I just go hit him, lay him out. Literally just drop him, pick the ball up, scoop it, run down. I dodged the beat. And then I got tired and got beat out. And everybody's like looking in awe. And I'm like... 
I just hit a guy. What? <laughs> right, right, right. You didn't realize you hit like the MJ of Quidditch. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> no doubt about that. No, that's a that's a that's a awesome memory because uh, very few people have any memories whatsoever of even touching Augie for the most part. So that's a good one. Uh, no doubt about that, man. We we move on there. You talk about how you didn't get a chance to play college Quidditch like in the conventional sense for sure. Um, and then you make this move onto club Quidditch. End up playing for Tribe, right? Um, yes. That, that whole thing happens with Tribe, and I'm sure you got plenty of stories with Tribe. If you want to share some, you're more than welcome to. But um, they have, like, the cool teal jerseys going on and all that kind of stuff like that. End up coming okay. to Southwest Regionals one year, and everything happens because the South is – the South region as a whole. You're, you've are you been in the South region your entire yes. Quidditch career, man. What What's the deal? Like, why um, – does it, does it come off like it's kind of, like, dwindling down, or do you feel like it's blowing back up? Do you feel at one point it was kind of waning and now it's solidifying itself? What's the deal with the South region, man? Man, it's, it's, in a weird, it's in a weird state because Florida is just so far from everything. Right. Like, no one <laughs> – no one wants to travel to Florida. I, I even myself don't want to travel to Florida from time to time. And it's it's in that weird spot to where Florida is only playing other Florida teams. You have Carolina, they're able to play mid Atlantic and whatnot, but so most of the time is made Florida so it doesn't expand, it just stays within itself. because uh, right. there's nothing in Georgia, Alabama, kinda in Tennessee and kinda in Mississippi, but it's Yes, that's pretty much it. So it's hard because Florida's kind of isolated, and then Carolinas, the Carolinas, like you were saying, um, their situations, they're like going to the Mid Atlantic to get competition and everything. So it kind of feels like you guys are one region, but yeah. you kind of broke it up and disjointed from each other. It's kind of a, a weird place to be, no doubt about that. Yeah. And of course, the what happens at South Regionals is brutal because it seems like every year there's like a weather threat that, to wash out regionals. So, <laughs> and I'm sure you've got some stories about that as well, but uh, I know my first year that I really started paying attention to Quidditch, they told me like the regional had been washed out. And I was just like, well, how are they going to determine who goes to nationals and everything? So, uh, and of course Quidditch has many ways that it does that, but overall, man, the, the region, it was good to get your commentary on it. And that's, a big reason why I want to talk to people who aren't in the Southwest because all these other regions as a Southwest guy, I just hear about most of the things I hear are from people from other regions or complaints about the Southwest and complaints about coming mm-hmm. to Austin and about how, you know, like different situations are going on, but it's good to get your perspective on it. And it seems like a lot of the people in the South are right now are dedicated to trying to make it blow up. Like they're trying to get an MOQ team on a consistent basis. They're showing that they're capable of doing yes. it with a lot of the developmental teams, which is cool. Cause I got a chance to play against mm-hmm. some of those players and those dudes are MOQ quality. Those, I'm sorry, those people, um, the ladies, uh, ladies, men, and uh, our non-binary brothers and sisters. They're all uh, MLQ quality. They just got to get an opportunity, and hopefully they get it soon because uh, it'll definitely help take this out to the next level during the summer. But I move on. You talk about club quidditch. You play for Tribe, man. And then something happens that I personally was shocked when I heard happen. You found a team, made a team, founded a team in Black Hollywood, of all places, in Atlanta, yeah. Georgia. And call it ATL <laughs> yeah. Terminus. What? How did that happen? What sparked it? Uh, and tell me, like the whole process, man. Tell me how when you knew when you made that team, you made the announcement official. You had all the merch, you had all the branding, you had uh, probably one of the strongest hashtags in terms of teams overall. Uh, hashtag Murder Train. Um, 
But like, wh- how did it come about? How did you know people would come and play when you start a team in a city that doesn't have a primary college? It doesn't have a lot of things that a lot of the uh, a lot of the club teams have around them. Um. Yeah. So it happened. Uh, so I understand. So after the trial, I played a year with Florida Finest, which is based down in Miami. When I moved to Atlanta, um, after playing a year with them. I knew I, I want to get a championship. The goal is to get a championship. And I came to the realization that in order for me to achieve what I want to achieve, I have to do this myself. So I never wanted to be a coach, never expect to be over a team. But I understood that to get to that level, I would have to get a program and run it how I envisioned to run it to get to that, that level and that point. Um, I know you spoke on like the branding. I want to be I want to be considered like the organ of Quidditch, like. I come from football, and as you know, in sports, football, basketball, basketball, you wear the double socks, football, you got the visors, the towels, the tape. So I bring that same mentality over to Quidditch with the gear, the shooting shirts, the jerseys. Yeah. If we can get a sponsor by Nike, I'll take it. (laughs) No doubt about that. Nike, get on the phone. Get get some. You heard him. He wants to be the Oregon of Quidditch, man. Make it happen, especially in Atlanta, um, especially considering the nature of Quidditch being a predominantly white sport to have a team in Atlanta that, you know, I'm sure plenty of people will be shocked to find out, but it's got to be something interesting, man, because it's always been, you talk to like any black player in Quidditch and sorry, this may sound like it's really, I guess, prejudicial or whatever, but uh, like just getting more black people involved in Quidditch is a huge, like it's something that a lot of black people want to see happen. And if Atlanta looked like the city that it is based in, the team looked like the city that it's based in, it would be like almost a polar opposite of the very nature of Quidditch, I think. And which would be uh, interesting to see how that plays out when it's all said and done. Cause once again, Quidditch is a welcoming community. There's no doubt about that whatsoever, but I mean, like we said before, I can't can't reiterate it enough as a black dude, like Atlanta is like the Mecca of black Hollywood. And if you're a fan of hip hop or rap, or you listen to anything or listen or, or intake anything about black media, whether it be podcasts or radio shows, you know, that Atlanta has a special place in like a lot of black people's hearts, because it is one of the few places that used to be unwelcoming to black people to like a high degree and has now become like the spot for black people. So, uh, it's pretty dope that you started a team there, man. And like you said, uh, by the way, can you explain murder train? Like what, what's the deal with that? I get it. You guys are terminus and you got the, the, um, by the way, it's, it's interesting to me that the, uh, MLS team also uses the train theme when it comes to, uh, all that their branding is and everything like that. But, um, terminus is popping up and you got the train theme going on. What's the deal with the murder train? Can you give me the origins on that? No clue of the murder train. Honestly, I, I don't know who started Murder Train. Uh, it just, I don't know, it just popped up. I have no clue who started it. Okay, there no you go. Clear. So, yeah, by the way, uh, competing, of course, with Boom Train. Uh, by yes. the way, Tad, <laughs> I, I tweeted out that I was going to have you on the podcast, and Tad Walters told me a dope story about how you gave him and Jenna a, a ride to one of the tournaments. The fantasy at one... tournament, North Carolina, yes, good times. <laughs> no doubt about that. Shout out Tad Walters, shout out Jenna. Uh and everything that they've been doing. But yeah, Tad is uh Tad's a real one, man. But yeah, he he he's on Boom Train, you're on ATL Terminus. I'm sure uh when the like the whole brand war that comes with that is interesting. But nonetheless, man, you start the team in Atlanta. 
you want to make your own you want to start your own team you want to organize it the way you want to organize it you want to train uh players the way you want to train them what what do you feel like you were doing different than any other quidditch team was doing when it came to training and when it came to your approach to the game um so the, the first year was pretty rough because it was pretty much I was just picking up spare players who didn't have teams to go to, who didn't right. really. Yeah, I was just, I was just picking up people. So that first year was definitely it was a struggle because that was we might have at most ten people at a at a tournament. So it's kind of like I'm playing the whole time on the field. I, I had to play beater because <laughs> I just had to do what I had to do. So it's right. definitely rough. Um, but I knew I knew it was gonna take some time. I knew going into that second season that I was going to have to make some changes, alter a few things and restructure this to get into that competitive level. Um, so Florida finals, they actually were at the point where they were dissolving and I'm real good friends with a lot of people from Florida finals. So I pick up some of them and um, yeah, just try to restructure things. And it, got even harder from that point because now uh, I have a team full of athletes and players who are dominant in their own area. And now I'm the coach and most of them been playing two, three years longer than I have. So it's definitely intimidating at first, definitely intimidating. So when it came to strategy and everything that you guys locked down, uh, I remember one key moment you you guys played against Cav and gave them big problems when we were down in Austin of all places in their home turf. We were at round rock. And you guys were one of the few teams to really be able to disrupt what they were doing. And it came down to, like, execution of strategy. And, of course, like you said, you have athletes on your team as well, man. Uh, where, where did you get the Quidditch mind that you utilize for uh, for Terminus? And, and you got any tips for anybody out there who's possibly trying to, you know, expand their thinking on the sport of Quidditch? Um, yeah. So, honestly, it's being a fan of the sport, uh, wanting to grow and always learn. Um Honestly, I can say the biggest help that pushed me was going um, overseas when we did the Team USA because I soaked up so much information over there because I was able to be around a lot of people who've been playing the sport for years. So I'm taking in all their tips, all the all of their knowledge, and just expanding on that. Um, like, for instance, our defense, we run 2-2-2-2, two, 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 and, of course, I picked it up from Calvary, but not just taking what they have, but also expanding it and making it my own, adjusting it to my players and our team and just making it better, just making it better. No doubt about that, man. And, and of course, that leads me to uh, another question I have strategy-wise, man. Zone or man? Like, what's the, uh, what's the preference? I know the, the meta right now is to run zone, but what in your heart of hearts do you prefer to run, man or zone defense? Oh, man, I can't. Can't give away all the goodies, but I would say man, but definitely it's it's a mixture of both. Yeah, so uh, you teach you teach help defense, right? That's yeah, what that's what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. Basketball help to... defense, which by the way, yeah, yeah. I tried to explain to a group of Cosmos players like two years ago, and they're like, "Isn't this just zone defense?" And I was like, "No, it's <laughs> both and neither at the same time." Exactly. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so help defense is the, the the ultimate goal. And and leading into that, man, they recently announced there are new rules for this upcoming season. Um, the new rules include the addition of two arm tackling. So that should help 
a lot of smaller players when it comes to their um, them going up against bigger dudes, especially the guys that you know that are big, so big that you can't actually get one arm all the way around them when you're trying to tackle them. So it's hard to maintain contact with them. But uh, the two arm tackling, man, do you feel like that could usher in like a whole new uh, resurgence of man to man defense, or do you think it'll just be zone gang tackling? In my opinion, I feel like it's still going to be zoned for a bit. I know they spread the hoops apart, and that does make it a little bit harder to play zone because you do have that extra space. Um, me, personally, I love it. I'm so happy to arm tack on this here. Um, I used to, when I first started playing, I was aggressive, football mentality, go hit people. And if you're tackling the correct way, right. you're leading with your shoulder. So I started hurting my shoulder the more I would tackle, so I don't tackle as much. But uh, now we got two arm tackles, so... I'm letting my team loose. <laughs> right, right. No doubt about heads. that. <laughs> no doubt about that. It'll be uh, it'll be a push for a lot of offensive players who have spent most of their time just running through one arm tackles. So that'll be interesting yeah. to see. But especially if you haven't been playing MLQ, because I remember after playing a whole summer of MLQ two arm tackling, how easy it was going back to the USQ rules where you're just like you understood where where opponents balance was and being able to uh, being able to attack their balance and get out of tackles. But anyway, move on, man. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Um, You mentioned it a little bit earlier. You start the team in Atlanta question. Quick question. Quick question. Where are the best lemon pepper wings in Atlanta? JJ's cricket. JJ's cricket. Yeah. You said that as if you gave away a secret that people aren't supposed to know. Is that the, that's the no, spot? it, it, it bounces around. It, it, it bounces around so much because there's so many spots to get wings. Like it, every I feel like every other month there's a new chart coming out with wings appearing there, and there's so many different soul food restaurants, barbecue spots. Atlanta's like a melting pot of so many different cultures that it's it's so much. It's overwhelming at times because it's, it's it's so much out there. So much no, out there. Overwhelming because of you have so much delicious food to eat. I yes. it sounds like my kind of place, man. So when you heard a. Uh, uh, Oh, I guess I should have asked this too. You live in Atlanta now, man. You're from Arkansas. What pro teams do you like root for? Like all of them across the sports, all sports. Um, I would say for for football. Uh, I've always been a huge fan. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Um, so I know that's questions. kind of so many I know. Questions. Yeah, I can jump in there real quick. Um, I went to a basketball camp at Kentucky University, and so happened to be Cincinnati's training camp was maybe like an hour out. So my parents uh, took me over to the camp and got to see them practice. And one of my favorite players, Chad Johnson, was there back when he was playing with Cincinnati. Oh, like, Joe Cinco, baby, the legend. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've been a Cincinnati fan since, since then. I haven't, yeah, since then, Cincinnati fan. It's crazy how that one little moment like that makes you a fan for life. That's sports, right? Um, so you go, NFL, you're rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals. Shout out Joe Exotic. Got his first dunk this past weekend. <laughs> Uh, but but uh, what is the deal when it, uh, what, what are you talking about NBA do you have an NHL team you root for uh, do you have a soccer team what's the deal um, as far as NBA I don't have a team I just have players uh, players that I like none in soccer I mean no, well no take it back hockey I have none in hockey for soccer it's Atlanta United um, I'll say for the most part even for baseball I kind of just keep up with the Braves and Atlanta United Good time, to be a, good time to be a Braves fan right now. Oh, yes, yes, I know, I know. <laughs> Keep the hopes up. We can continue to run. Yeah, and Freddie Freeman out there doing his thing after surviving uh, COVID-19, man. Shout out to him. Yes. 
possibly going to, well, more than likely going to be NL MVP when it's all said and done. But mm-hmm. um, you mentioned what? What was I going for now? I said NFL. Oh, NBA. You said you root for players. Give me, uh, give me your players, man. Outside of the superstars, what, who else do you root for? I'm a huge fan of KD. I've been a fan of KD since Texas, since Longhorn days. Yeah. Uh, LeBron. Uh, are we going current or old? You can do it. All of them. All of them, really. <laughs> um, man, I'm AI, Vince Carter. Uh, those are ones I can come off with the top of my head. I like the. I'm a fan of Jordan. I'm a fan of Jordan. I respect this game, but as far as players on an individual status, definitely like LeBron, AI, KD. Who's the most random player that um that you that you like a lot in the NBA? I wouldn't even call it random, but I'll say Dirk Nowitzki. He's not random, but Dirk. his his fadeaway shot is just butter. Like <laughs> Dirk the jerk, baby. There you go. He's from Dallas. I'm from Houston. So uh, as usual, uh, hashtag fuck Dallas respectfully, respectfully <laughs> fuck Dallas. Uh, but yeah, Dirk is one of the few uh, Dallas players that I just. I mean, you can't. It it looks bad on you when you can't respect the guy who's that level of greatness. So yeah. I and, and Dirk, of course, is a very likable guy. He's a really nice dude, especially if you know um, Dirk and about how he gets down in life. So yeah, yeah. I'll leave it like that. But uh, shout out to Dirk for sure. Moving on on this one, man. You mentioned Team USA. Mm-hmm. You're a member of Team USA, man. Um, what what even like made you go out and attempt to try out for Team USA? Because for some people, that's a huge mountain and a huge hurdle to climb over. Um, man, so since I didn't get to play football, I made Quidditch my main sport. So since day one, my goal is just to be the best in the sport. There's, there's no other option. Like my goal is to be number one. And so all I'm pretty much at this point, I'm just achieving milestones. So I saw Team USA as an option to prove myself in another, in a, I guess other teams in other countries. Um, I started to gauge where I stand as far as in the state. So it's like, well, how do I stand on the international level and trying to be number one in the world? So <laughs> no that was a step to it. So uh, what was the process like for you, man? What did you focus on in your training to make yourself better or make yourself just better as a Quidditch player as a whole? But in particular, when you were getting ready for, I guess you can call them the trials to um, become a member of Team USA for the, the, the training camp. Oh man, uh, I hope this hope this doesn't sound too arrogant, but, but essentially there was really no training. I mean, I have I have a pretty consistent system for training all throughout Quidditch. Um, interesting fact: I didn't shoot. I don't shoot. Um, hey, for me said, being on- see at, at your heart of hearts, Quincy, you're a Southwest player. <laughs> yes, we don't I, promote I, shooting. We don't promote shooting in the Southwest. It was it was pure dunks. It was either pure dunks or at the hoop. Uh, so yeah, I mean, my whole thing was no special training. I'm coming in with the mindset of averaging four to five goals a game from playing with Trob and Fines. Like if I didn't have four goals a game, then that wasn't a game. So I'm I know I was fast. I know I was strong. I know I'm faster than ninety percent of the people that I'm playing against. I'm just gonna outrun you. No doubt. Uh, I get that for sure, man. Uh, using your talents to the fullest, of the, to the best of your abilities. So you said you have a, tr- you have a system, man. What's the system for training? Um, I imitate 
I would say college football workouts, uh, professional workouts, a lot of explosion. I don't focus so much on long distance, but gotcha. a lot of fast twitch, explosion, box jumps, deadlifts, cleans, all the horrible stuff that everybody hates doing. What's uh, what's your deadlift max, man? Man, I haven't maxed. Uh, I would say it's in the 500s. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's a flex. Yeah, I'm a 405 guy. I'm a 405 guy right now, and I'm, I'm way almost. I'm pretty sure more than likely twice as much as what you weigh. So that's not great. Uh, yeah, but anyway, not great for me. I'm not. I mean, for me, not for you. But yeah, Team USA, man, you get the call that you are a member of Team USA. What was that like? Um, I was excited, man. So excited. I was like, well, it's time to go handle business. The point from getting selected is like, all right, this is something that I want. So let's. Get prepared, get ready, and go handle business. Um, I'll say training for getting ready for that. I did cut back a little bit on so much as far as heavyweight and did focus more on lasting more endurance and lasting longer for sure. So I switched it up a little bit to alter to what I might be doing over there. So no doubt, yeah, definitely. Man. So you get to Italy. I'm sure that was a, a journey in and of itself. Is that the longest plane ride you've ever been on? Yes. Okay, yes. fly to Italy, you walk out, you're in across an ocean in another country where you don't speak the primary language to play Quidditch to win the World Cup, which is uh, which has got to be a t- uh, like a whole level of exhilarating, man. Um, what was what was Florence like for you? What was the deal? How was it? Did you um, remember anything super specific? Also, what was it like when you told your parents you were going to Italy to play Quidditch? Um, they were happy. Uh, <laughs> I guess you can almost say typical, I guess not typical black family, but like as far as Quidditch goes within the black community is yeah, not yeah, looked yeah. upon as the highest level. I think it solidified it for me going to saying, Hey, I made two years say I'm going to Italy. That kind of solidified it as, Oh, okay. So this is, this is something. Okay. You can get something out of this. Right. Uh, a being in Florence was nice. It was definitely different than being in the States. Uh, the food the only thing I would say is like you miss having the McDonald's 24 hours or the grocery store has been 24 hours everything closes early but it was great it was definitely an experience we had the chance to walk around and like sightsee during the day we had two day practices but in between we got a chance to sightsee so did you definitely get, enjoyable did you get any uh good uh wine or champagne while you were down there did you get a chance to taste any of that a little bit. We had, of course, it was limited. It was very limited to what, <laughs> what, what we can drink. But uh, yes, I got a chance to try nice. some wine. Cool, cool, man. Uh, and then two a day practices. That must have been like a flashback to the whole high school days. Uh, probably a little bit easier because you guys, you guys were in scrimmages versus the uh, the other teams, right? Um, for the first few days, it was against each other. That was the best. Most fun Quidditch uh, you can ever play is so, top. So all, wait top a minute, you, you had the dream team experience and the the dream team yeah, experience where it's like the toughest game we played was um what uh the toughest game you guys played was like against each other in practice. Yes, no, it was it was definitely intense. I mean, coming from the South region, we don't really travel much outside the region, so most of these players never played against didn't know majority of them right so it was definitely an adjustment that first day because it was like oh it's, it's pretty fast i had to had to get used to this pretty quick but no doubt yeah 
<laughs> no, that's a that's a cool experience, man. You guys got the train and everything like that. And then the games, um, the opening. By the way, that that stadium you guys played in or not played in the the stadium that opened the games or whatever. What was it like being in there? Yes, it was nice. It was interesting, man. Like walking walking the field and they're introducing the teams as we walk around and just being in that environment. I mean, I wish. I wish the states could travel out more to play teams in other countries because their fan base is completely different than yeah. here in America. Uh, man, they have so much energy, all the chants and like the hype music, and oh, uh, it's man, it's very, it's intimidating at times. It's very intimidating. So I was gonna ask, man, how wild is it that you play? Midwest fantasy and then you have no idea who Augie is and you go to I talked to Augie about like what happened when he went to Italy and everything like that um where he was just like the star right like you walk around and you're just like that dude is the dude (laughs) you learn about all the things that you learn about all the things that he did in his Quidditch career and, and then you get to see it firsthand and you're just like yo these dudes are from another country they've never met him but they all know so much about what he's done on the Quidditch pitch what was that experience like man it was interesting. I mean, I'm very, I would say of I'm probably any club team in here in the States, I'm very close with a lot of people from Southwest. So like a lot of the Calvary players, I, I was already close to a lot of them. So I, right. I knew most of them. So yeah, it was, it was funny at times because we all stayed in a um, kind of like a um, RV place, but it was like a bunch of little like mini houses and all the teams stayed there one spot. So we'll be walking around in downtown, just not doing anything. And you will have players from other countries come up to Augie, talking to him and shaking it and barely can talk. And like, it was mostly me. I'm sitting here with Cole. Me and Cole just looking like. Shout out Cole Travis, a Houston native, Houston native uh, who's done quite a bit since he went to LSU. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But we're just sitting here and we're just talking and this person is just sitting here shaking. And it's like, dude, it's. He's just a normal person, like. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's wild when you're on the other side of it because it's just like you. I've played against Augie like a bunch of times. He's kicked my ass every single time that I've played against him. Uh, <laughs> and it's just that it's one of those things where you get accustomed to it and you forget sometimes, like because for you and I and for everybody else in in America, he's competition. Like he's like in the mm-hmm. way when it comes to like getting a win. You know what I mean? So it's just right. wild to like people who see him and he's like a rock star. It's pretty dope. And then of course he absolutely hates it that's the hilarious part about it all he's like (laughs) he's like one of the most humble dudes out there he's just like yeah no man like when i talked to him on another podcast i used to do the quaffle life all he kept doing was trying to be like you know i have like i've had like the same 10 teammates in every single thing i've done in quidditch right so like (laughs) it's not just me like everybody picked me for some reason as like the superstar for the team but i've had like martin i've had arian i've had casey i've had all these other people who've been with me the whole ride and for some reason i'm the one guy Yeah, yeah so um, yeah. but yeah, that's just how it goes, man. It's good to be the king. So, uh, you go to team, you go to team USA, uh, you guys are in Italy, you're playing the group stage games. How hard was it to like stay focused in a game that you knew you were going to cruise over, man? To me, man, those are the, those are the hardest games, even though they weren't hard for me personally, right. those are the tough games. When you go into a game and you know, you're going to win because typically those are the games where you slip up and lose because you're not as focused. Right, right, right. And um, you look around and you're wondering, like, yo, I'm thinking like this. Are these <laughs> guys thinking like this? And, and you're right. Saying, yeah, no, I feel you, man. But, yeah, it was one of those things where it's like 
we were cracking jokes because me and my friend Kevin stayed up and we would watch like the games, but they would like never have to, we would fall asleep like right when Team USA would come on, but we would look at the scores on Twitter and it would be insane. It would be like 210 to 10, you know? Yes. And, and that kind of stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, they, I mean, that's how you stop from slipping up, man. You know what I mean? That's how you not, that's how you stop yourself from slipping up in games. Like later on, you have to go as if everybody is the second best team in the world when you're the first best team, when you're the champs. So yeah. Yes. Uh, we move on to this one, man. You guys play that game against Australia. How shocked were you when the drop bears were for real? When you figured out the drop bears were for real, man, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. Cause they're not small. I mean, even the girls right. were standing at like six foot one, six foot two, and it's like, man, they're <laughs> they're a defensive wall. They're they're pretty big. Um, the key was, it's just they were a good team, but they had a particular thing that they kept running, and we noticed it after their first game. So we were able to dominate that second game. Right. But that first match alone, the crowd because. That's the rematch. That's the rematch everybody wanted. I right. hate that it was in pool play. So, so disappointed it was in pool play. No doubt. But and, yes, then got put crowd, on the, and then got put on the wrong side of the bracket, like when it was all shit, when yes. it all shook out. So, Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, I, the crowd was against us. Like, because America is supposed to win. We're projected to win. And, like, in that match, Australia is the underdog. And the crowd was against us at first. It was, <laughs> yeah, you got the crowd against you, and then you got Australia, and they're chanting, and it's intense, and it's, yeah, it's nerve-wracking, very nerve-wracking. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was, it was pretty nerve-wracking for us, too, when we were watching back at home, man. Uh, it was, it was interesting to see how that all shook out, but you guys get the win, move on, and it sends Australia to the opposite side of the bracket, um, well, no, to the same side of the bracket, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the issue. But, yeah, by the way, Quidditch, we got to start rigging these brackets a little bit better, guys. Like, Yes. We got to start saying, I mean, you know what the people want. We know what the people are here for. You got to right. start rigging <laughs> these matchups a little bit better. Fudge the numbers a little bit. I'm kidding. Don't do that. Um, it's not, <laughs> at least if it's, for, if it's for the betterment of the sport, we get the entertaining matchups. I would not be yeah. opposed to it. Uh but yeah, man, the, you you mentioned you play the the game in Australia. You finally get to the World Cup final. How intense is the pregame for that matchup? Even though you're going up against, you know, you guys are not going up against Australia like you thought you were. But that Belgian team, high quality Quidditch that they were running out there. Um, man, it was very intense. It was, <laughs> it was one of those moments where it's like, all right. This is an intense moment. This is the final. We got this. And then as the game is going out, I think we start now. And this, we're up like 4-0. We're up like 4-0 or 5-0. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe this won't be as hard as we thought. Like, we got through Australia. Maybe this is it. And then momentum shift, momentum change. They're scoring buckets. They're scoring buckets. And now it's a snitch point game. And it's like, oh, okay. So <laughs> let's try to just close this out and get out of here at this point. <laughs> no doubt about that. And yeah, and it can't, I mean, a lot of people got to see one of the most talented beaters in the world in that matchup and saw the impact that he had and especially his ability to disrupt multiple lineups from Team USA. So it was it was eye-opening for me as well, man, because it was so many teams that I came out of World Cup having like a whole new level of respect for because I, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, I'd never seen a World Cup 
because of like where I landed in terms of me joining Quidditch and everything like that until you guys went to Florence and everything. So, uh, and you heard the stories about like, yeah, Team USA cruised to the finals, then lost to Australia and everybody kept telling the story over and over again. And it became the redeemed team thing. And it was like the, you know, it quickly became like gold medal or bust for a lot of people because, because reasons, right? Because everybody has those yeah. level of expectations. But it was uh, I, I enjoyed World Cup because I got a chance to watch a lot of teams that I never would have thought even existed. Like I saw Ireland play mm-hmm. Hong Kong, and that was wild. Yes. <laughs> I saw Ireland play like Vietnam, and uh, it was wild because uh, Vanessa Go was in that matchup. Yes, and she it just was killing, killing, killing them, killing them. Shout out to her. <laughs> she was on team. I don't know if you follow her on Instagram. She was on that Ultimate Tag Game at one mm-hmm. point. And uh, with, that was hosted by like JJ Watt and every JJ Watt, TJ Watt, and Derek Watt. So it was pretty wild to see where she's come because she played for like Team USA's um, yes women's flag football team. I mm-hmm. think, uh, but yeah, she's like one of the best athletes to ever play the sport. But moving on to uh, some stuff outside of the sport, man. So you have we mentioned it, we hinted at it a little bit before. You're a guy from Arkansas. You've made your way and achieved at the highest level of Quidditch. And I know, of course, your next goal is to go out there and win the championship, host that trophy, get that other gold medal and everything like that. But um, what, is your, what is your experience as a black man in particular in Quidditch been like? My experience, honestly, has not been that bad. Um, if there was any times that people discriminated against me, I just didn't notice it. But I've always been a pretty laid back, chill person. I typically let my game speak for me so I don't have to go out there and prove myself. I just go out there and play. And, uh, man, everybody has respected my game. They respect me as a person and respect my game. So I guess I've always been kind of on that upper tier of that player to know. Like when people watch me, they're like, that's the person you watch to play. So, yeah, I would say my experience has been pretty good. Um, I I will say I didn't really – I felt the impact here in Atlanta – um, I guess I can jump into this, that as I'm here trying to build the team here, I'm pretty active in the community, uh, go to different events. I'm the only player here in Atlanta, so I'm running conventions and all these events by myself. And a lot of the Harry Potter community here is predominantly white. You do have some black people in it, but it's predominantly white. Right. And I do get looked at like when you see a booth and it's Quidditch and you kind of see this athletic black guy sitting there and people kind of just like, Give me a side look. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Talk no to doubt. Me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you, man. Uh, and, and of course, it, it, like like you said before, you've become uh, accustomed to the racism that's a, mm-hmm. or, or the discrimination because of just the work, like your background and your upbringing and everything. So, um, in the in the Quidditch community, man, apparently, you know, a lot of other people have felt like different levels of discrimination, different types of issues that are related to who they are as people. Uh, I would say, like, do you have any ways that we can prevent that from happening in the future? Uh, some things that we should look out for, some things that, um, you know, people can do, like, personally to make sure that everybody feels welcomed in the community all, at all times. Man, um, honestly, I'll say it comes down to your coaches and your the people who run the team is they have to create that safe environment. The team starts with the coach or whoever runs the team. It starts and ends with them. They need to talk with their players, make sure their players are okay, and just try to get to know who they are. You don't have to spend every day with them, but just take time to get to know who they are, what they like to do. Um, Say, for instance, you're on a road trip. 
and you throwing music out there like you know play a little bit of music you like play some music they like just get immersed in the culture so it's not so awkward you don't have that barrier where people feel uncomfortable but just get to know people this is what quidditch is about no doubt no that's a, i mean it's pretty simple and it goes a long way willingness to get to know other people and understand where they're coming from and uh i think oh i got some here we go here we go you talked about being the oregon of quidditch man i gotta ask you um cleats are really important in this sport yes what specific type of cleat have you in your time because i'm pretty sure you've run through a lot of cleats what kind of uh what kind of cleats is work best for you for a while i was using the under armor highlights right uh, yeah but i switched back to the nike vapors the kind with the ankle support so yeah, yeah I've, I, I run in between i have two pair of nike vapors so i've alter in between those two pair of cleats but it's typically nike sometimes under armor but mostly nike low cuts yeah and if you don't understand if you don't know what the under armor highlights are those are the high top cleats that uh made famous by cam newton and now utilized by a lot of quidditch players they kind of they're like a high top sneaker and you tie it up uh the the laces are around your ankle so uh that's the cleats that he's referring to but yeah man that uh i just always wonder because everybody's kind of got their own preference and their own taste and everything like that uh also gloves or no gloves i used to be i used to be about gloves i used to have my my fresh nike or cutter gloves and but now um after running so many different positions it's better to not have gloves just it just helps with me not having to take a glove off or trying to be out here with one glove on other glove off i just i go no gloves and uh, in terms of workouts, man, you got any suggestions or any tips for people who are trying to be, uh, get more athletic, not necessarily stronger, not necessarily faster, but just become more athletic overall in terms of movement that helped you a ton? Like any drills, anything that's not related to like weight, something that people can do, you know, if they're just out on a field or something with a couple of cones or or, or just out in the open field? Man, honestly, I'll say you yourself. You're a great example out there doing the foot drills, doing the ladder drills, any type of little lateral movement, agility movement, just help with the quickness of being able to be shifty, get around people, learning to move in small places. And uh, that that helps so much. Um, if you can, like resistance running, running in sand, even doing foot drills and stuff in sand, like anything, anything of that quickness, agility helps a lot, helps a ton. No doubt. Yeah, uh, that's what I've gotten out of quarantine, man. That's my biggest thing that quarantine, <laughs> like the whole focusing on agility and change of direction, because that's something that carries over to every single position. And then on top of that, getting to the point where your feet just do it without you having yep. to think about it. And uh, yes. that's a huge step in the right direction. It's actually become something that uh, I emphasize in Cosmos practices when, uh, mm -hmm. when we when we warm up, because I want people to stop thinking and start doing a lot more, because once you start stop thinking, things get a lot faster. Um I think that's all I got. I think that's all I got, Quincy. You got anything you want to say? Um, I know oh. you talked about the two horn tackles. I say it's, I guess the tip with the two horn tackles is uh similar to Friday nights with Booby Miles. You you hit and spin with it. Hit and spin with it. Keep the feet moving. No doubt. Keep the Keep. feet moving. That's the most important part for people who are trying to do two arm tackles, man. Like it's not just wrapping, it's not going over and give somebody a hug. Uh, and I'm yeah. sure a lot of people are going to try and do the body weight thing where they grab somebody's arm and just drop down, which, hey, do you? Uh, it's a tactic that works, I guess, um, until people figure out that it's coming. Uh, 
like Quincy was saying, you got to learn how to drive your feet when you make contact with somebody because uh, just standing there, if they're a stronger person or bigger than you, or if they're just more agile, they will run out of your tackle. Yeah. Uh, man, I hope everybody practice safe tackling too. For on tackles sure. Because oh my gosh, this man. is this is a sport who, as you said, I've I've heard other people coaches say, "Oh, it's like giving a hug." No, it's not like giving a hug. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it should be more way. about your force and moment. It's literally the arms are there to guide your momentum and force that you're enacting yeah. upon a person. It's not. It, it's not there to like. It's there to cinch up the tackle. And, but you have to do the you have to use the energy that you create running towards somebody to mitigate the energy that they're trying to take to move. And I it takes a while to figure it out. And I hope people, I hope USQ and MLQ put out like some kind of video on tips on how to teach that because there's going to be some college kids that are going to hurt themselves because they're just I I saw what happened to MLQ. There's a lot of people that would try and do it. That there was people who did it in our practice for legends and everything like that, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. But I saw other people like literally diving at people, yes. like they're running yes. and jumping at people. That's the most dangerous form that you can get in, especially if you don't know like how to land. Like if you don't know how to fall, you will hurt yourself 100 percent of the time. So that that and um, have everybody look up horse collar tackles so they know not to do those. Because when we first started doing two arm tackles in our summer league. Um, people were doing horse collar tackles, and I said, "That's very dangerous. You yes, do not is. do those." <laughs> yeah, that's how people. Yeah, yeah that's or spearing because I, I I know it. I know it comes yes. off like common sense, but some yeah. people have to be told that they need to. The rule is in football: you see what you hit and hit what yes. you see. Uh, yes. And a lot of people need to know that because this isn't the NFL, bro. You don't have pads on or anything like that. You don't have a helmet on or anything. But uh, other than that, Quincy. Um, that's all I got, man. Uh, we talked about the swag. We talked about your Harry Potter connection. We talked about college, club sports, Team USA. We talked about your background. Uh, also, tell the people where to find everything related to ATL Terminus. Do y'all have anything coming up that people who are possibly looking to join the team can do or look at to uh, ho- uh, to get at the team and everything like that? Any virtual events that are coming up so they can hop in and get some more information about the team? Um, yeah, we have a Facebook page, uh, Terminus Quidditch Atlanta. You can look us up on Facebook. We have an Instagram as well, Terminus Quidditch Atlanta. You can always find us on there. I'm always the one on there that's responding to any messages. We're always open to getting more people. I would love to start a second club team or college team here in Georgia since there's nothing else. Always looking to build. Um, don't have much coming up. We're still kind of holding off things until we get a better idea of what the season holds. But um, I got paused a little bit because I was playing. I was going to do a. Um, I was actually going to go to some HBCUs here in Atlanta with a guy who met me at a convention, and I had a. I had man so much planned this year. I was going to work with Dragon Con. If you don't know what that is, that's like one of the bigger conventions on the East Coast. Yeah, I had a lot, man. I'm not, I'm not here working. I had so much going, but hopefully next year, get things picked up and continue to help grow the sport in general. Um, man, trying to get us on TV, trying to get the TV. <laughs> no doubt, man. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's Quincy Hildreth, Team USA and ATL Terminus Keeper joining us here on the Big Man Bias. I'm Ashton Gene Lewis. He's Quincy, and uh, we out. Make sure you wash your hands. Wash your whole body. Please wash your whole body, not just your hands. Uh, but also, most importantly, wear your mask. Keep your Maintain your social distancing. Be safe. Be considerate of others. And uh, that's all I got. Thank you for having me.